I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey guys, I'm Kaylee Shore, and this is Too Much to Say. But don't go asking questions that you don't want answers to. I've got too much to say, and I'll tell it all to you, yeah. All right, guys, we are back. Um, it is Too Much to Say 2.0. I'm very excited about what's going to be happening on the podcast and just like new things that I have planned. Um, but one of the first new things I wanted to bring in was what I have too much to say about this week. Like every week I feel like I have something that I'm obsessed with that I can't get over. And this week it is the album Holy Fuck by Demi Lovato. Um, I literally, I can't get enough. I think it's such an incredible piece of work and, um, yeah, the whole thing is amazing. Demi has been a huge uh, inspiration of mine for like my entire teen years and she's been through so much. Also, side note, she recently went back to she slash they pronouns, so I'm going to be using both um, interchangeably. Um, but she uh, has been such a huge influence and I always loved that she was so rock driven and her music was like, I mean, it was like, Disney, but it was also really, really hardcore rock. And yeah, I mean, like you remember her old ones, like every time you lie or catch me or, um, my favorite was here we go again. Like I was obsessed with that song this summer before ninth grade. And yeah, but this album, holy fuck, it is very aptly titled. Um, but it is like rock rock. And I was listening to their interview with, um, Zane Lowe on, um, Apple radio. And Demi was talking about how like she's had the same, like she'd had the same team for so long and they like really pushed her in this pop star direction. And she was like, I was wearing, you know, bodysuits on stage singing pop songs. And I didn't feel like myself. I wasn't enjoying the performances. And like with this album, I'm like so excited to play them. And it was just very cool. And you could see how excited she was. I already am getting tickets to Nashville and LA on the tour. Um, I think it's just going to be incredible, but there's the, the album starts off with a song called Freak by Youngblood and Demi wrote it 
like being inspired by coming out as non-binary and having people on the internet be like, you're a fucking freak. And it's just such a beautiful album that like talks a lot about their sexuality and experience in the music industry. But I'm going to say my favorite song on there has to be 29. Um, it is a song about Demi and um, their supposed... I mean, it's, I'm not going to say it because of defamation issues, but if you Google it or look on Twitter, you'll see who the song's about. But it's about somebody that Demi dated when they were 17 and the guy was 29. And the lyrics are just so brutal. And if you've ever been a girl dating, or a guy, honestly, or whatever, dating somebody older than you, it and it's like had an unhealthy power dynamic, this song encapsulates it so well. And um I have my song uh, 18, which is on the uh, open book unabridged version. And it's one of my favorite songs I've ever written. And this kind of feels like similar to that. And so it like touches a certain part of my heart um, that inspired me to write 18. But I'm going to read some of the lyrics from the chorus. Um, and then you guys are going to go listen to the album, right? Because I haven't shut up about it. <laughs> um, Finally 29, funny just like you were at the time. I thought it was a teenage dream, just a fantasy. But was it yours or was it mine? 17, 29. Ah, it hurts my feelings. It's so good, though. It's so good. So anyways, I'm obsessed with the album, and um, I have always felt like I would die for Demi Lovato, but uh, the fangirl, fangirl me doesn't, doesn't go away. So that's what I have too much to say about this week. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 
We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so I've had a lot of time during the break that we took from the podcast to come up with ideas about what I want to talk about because sometimes it's like, you know, I'm sure you guys being listeners, you know when there was more effort put into uh, an episode than another. And I want to make sure that I'm doing that every week. So I was able to stockpile some ideas and like, you know, just things I wanted to cover because it's a lot of content. I mean, like I've been writing three to five songs a week and I'm doing a podcast that can be anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour and also trying to come up with social content and have some visual things that like I'm working on for my for my next project and figuring out where I want to go with that so it's like I do only have so much brain so the time off was really great to have um but on this episode I had been musing for ideas and I wanted to talk about the concept of being too much and that feels very fitting because it's in the title and this is like too much to say 2.0 first episode. But I feel like people get told this so much and it always makes me really sad because like, I don't know, I don't know. It's like by people telling you that you're too much, it feels a lot like being told that you're not enough. And then it like makes you feel like you don't have any self-awareness and that you're just like all over the place. And like, really it's just people saying they're intimidated by your personality and usually it's confidence. And like, obviously I've heard that so many times in my life. My best friend Candy has heard that the entirety of their lives. And I personally feel like I am attracted to people who've been told that because I like relate and then I don't have to worry about making myself smaller around these people. Now the worst kind of person is someone who's like has a very large personality and also can't be around people with large personalities because it's like okay well that's fucking dumb but I love being around people who like collect friends who are quote-unquote too much and really it's like when you I mean, I think that some of it goes back to being neurodivergent. Like I have ADHD and a lot of my friends are, um, have that or are on the autism spectrum. And I've always connected with people very quickly who have like a little bit of a quirk or, you know, are just an artist or just something that other people consider quote unquote weird, even though none of those things are weird. But I found like 
you know, I'm just really comfortable around people who just get to the fucking point, you know? Like, it's the the tacit rules of social interactions where you're not supposed to do this and you're not supposed to do that and none of it makes any sense to me. Honestly, the whole concept of white lies to protect social norms really stresses me out. Like, I don't think I'm capable of it. And I try really hard and I think that's why, like, I've historically gotten along really well with autistic people because I'm not offended by bluntness and like that's a huge characteristic of being on the spectrum and then like they're not offended by bluntness it's just like I don't think I'm harsh I think I'm efficient I think I say exactly what's on my mind and it's not in a like oh here's my unsolicited opinion about your life way and your personal choices it's like in a I'm not going to waste any words because why would I waste our time like that. My time, your time. I respect both. And just trying to like make my language more flowery to deliver something that someone might perceive as harsh. It's really exhausting. It's really hard. And I just don't, the thing is, I just don't know when I'm doing it. And so like just coming in hot with some real old fashioned black and white communication, people think that's too much. But really I'm like, well, what I think is too much is beating around the goddamn bush for three hours and like making me listen to a bunch of stuff that's irrelevant to what you're trying to say. And also when people say something, but they want you to immediately know that they meant something different. What the heck is that? What is that? It's like, well, you should have known that I meant this. It's like, no, I should have known. No, I don't think that it is ever a crime to take something that somebody says at face value. It is your responsibility to communicate your needs and your feelings. And if you can't say them out loud, then there's probably something wrong with your needs and your feelings. Or else you wouldn't feel so weird about it, right? Obviously, that's not a universal statement, but I do feel like it applies very frequently. And yeah, so I've I've always been told that I'm too much because of that. I've, as much as I've had friends that I feel like I can be comfortable doing that around, I've also had friends in my past who were constantly like just threatened by my very existence and that's not a healthy friendship to have for self-explanatory reasons um but when we come back i'm going to talk about one of the like saddest times i had a friend tell me that i was too much and yeah we'll be right back i'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for god to give you your next step and you don't know what it is yet You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. 
the medical school dean at USC, was leading a secret double life. Is he breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, we are back on Too Much To Say and talking about being too much, overwhelming people with your individuality, with your confidence, with your intensity. And I had a friend... And I used to attract these people a lot. Um, and I would just find like they were constantly trying to make me less and would try to like compete with me in social situations. And I didn't really see it as that until I got older and until I like went to therapy. And honestly, I feel like my romantic relationships have been, you know, difficult, but nothing is, nothing can hurt me quite like a friend because you don't assume you're going to break up. You don't like question it. You don't wonder if they're going to break up with you. You're just like, okay, cool. Best friends forever. It's a lot easier to say that than it is to say like, I'm going to date you forever. But like I've met people and been friends with them and immediately been like best friends forever. And you would not do that in a relationship. Like Candy and I became friends because Candy literally just walked up to me and was like, after we played songs, I together and was like, Hey, like, do you want to be friends? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And then like, here we are. And I think that's beautiful. But my more complex really, uh, friendships have really like left me feeling so insecure and so down on myself. And that's what I've had to spend like a lot of therapy dealing with was my family and my friendships versus ex-boyfriends. Because that feels easy for me to understand. It's like, okay, well, you, don't, you didn't like me anymore. That's why we broke up. Or you were insecure and needed to end the relationship but couldn't do it without cheating on me. And you had to do that in order to get out. Okay, fine. Easy to understand. Not cool, but easy to understand. <laughs> so with this one friend, um, 
It would be little things. Um, we worked together a lot and I loved working with them and I still get kind of sad thinking about it because I, I miss that creativity I got to have. And there's a Dolly Parton song that's like, you can't make old friends. And that's so true. You can't, you can't. And so that was hard, like losing the friendship just because I wanted an old friend as I was going through these like really rough things and inspired open book, but the friend was gone. And I think it was a slow burn leading up to that point, but I didn't necessarily see it because I just was taking things at face value, but there was so much to see between the lines. And there was a time that this friend and I, um, we had a, I was releasing a song that I wrote with them and they were releasing a song around the same time. And they knew that our song we wrote together was coming out. And I was like, I, I would be so excited. Like, I, I just think that would be awesome. I don't know. I don't know. I was like really pumped to have written the song with my friend and have it coming out. And we both knew we were going to have them coming out like the same month. I was trying to figure out my release date and I had to move it because I got a really big radio premiere that I had to take them up on. And that was the only day they could do it. And you don't get to be like, oh, never mind. Sorry, huge radio conglomerate. Um, we have to pick a different day because my friend has a song coming out that day. <laughs> and truthfully, I didn't even think about it because I was like, oh my God, that's going to be so cool. Like they have their single coming out and a song they wrote with me coming out on the same day. Like how freaking fun, right? Well, they did not feel the same way. And I kind of had a pit in my stomach feeling like it was going to be contentious when I told them. But I was like, I mean, I knew it shouldn't be. But I, I did also know that I was like kind of a little bit afraid of this friend and walked on eggshells around them because there were so like many tacit rules to like dodge and all of that. And I remember telling them like, hey, by the way, like we had to change the release date because we got this huge premiere. Like, isn't that so exciting? It's our song. Like, it's going to be on the radio. And they didn't talk to me for a week and made it very clear the reason why they didn't talk to me for a week. And it was because like, they're like, well, I just feel like you're, you're stealing my spotlight and you're taking my day away from me. And like, I really wanted that day to be about me and my song. And I was like, well, it's about you and both your songs. Like, you know, and I don't think it impedes on anything. Like if anything, I thought it'd be really cute. We can have like a little party together and be like, happy release day. But this friend was always really threatened by, um, other, other girls in the music industry. I think, I think that's been a recurring problem for them. And yeah, it was just a huge bummer. And it totally like took the fun out of the release for me because I was so sad that I was making my friend, like hurting my friend's feelings and like wasn't able to like fully be present for the release. And they got over it or maybe didn't, but they made it seem like they got over it. And then there was um, a time that I was making my opera debut and we were um, I was playing a song that we wrote together, which I was like so excited. And I've gotten to be at the Opry when Mickey Guyton sang a song that we wrote together. And it was like the coolest thing ever. Like, I love when my songs have lives through other people and it was so special. And like, I just was like there to see Mickey do her thing. But when I made my Opry debut, you only get like a certain amount of tickets. Like I think you get like 10 discounted tickets and 10 people backstage, which sounds like a lot, but it stacks up really quickly because I had my two musicians. So that's two people who played with me. And then I had, um, you know, my manager, my videographer, my other manager, my publicist, his assistant, my agent, I think 
my other agent came and my publisher. So that's 10 people already. And I think they even bent the rules and let us have some extra people. But my friends had to be in the audience. And, like, it wasn't always going to be like that. Like, I was going to play the Opry. I mean, I played it, like, 25 times at this point. So there were many other times that I could bring people with me. But the first time, like, had to be – it was it was very work-related. It was fun, but it was, like, a celebration for me and my team. It wasn't necessarily, like, a party with my friends backstage. Um, and they were, like, really, really upset that they weren't backstage. And they were really upset that, um, like – they weren't close to the stage and felt like I wasn't giving them enough attention that night. And I had a party afterwards because there's a Dave and Buster's across the street from the Opry. So it was like really special. And oh, and my mom was there. Like my family came in and like that never happens for me. So that was like a really big deal. And they just felt like I'd been like blowing them off. And I was like, well, I mean, I just, I'm not, I just, you're my, you're my best friend. You know, I love you. You know that this is cool, but there's so many people to balance. And they just felt like I was being like sucking the air out of the room and needing to be a diva and not being able to like acknowledge them, which is like so incorrect <laughs> and just made me feel so bad. And like at the time I was like, oh my God, I'm a horrible friend. Like I wasn't like, oh, you're asking unrealistic things from me and actually feels like you're trying to suck the air out of the room. I was just like, wow, I'm a horrible friend. This sucks. And as time has gone on, I've been like able to, and I still work on it because I've had a lot of times, especially in the past year and a half, like as I've gone through some really hard friendship losses, I've been so insecure and questioned myself in social settings and felt like I don't know what I'm doing and that I'm just like flailing about and everyone can tell how awkward I am except me and that I have no self-awareness, which is like my deepest fear because like there's nothing worse than being a completely different human than you think you are. Like that stresses me out so much. And so I actually think I have pretty good self-awareness, but even as I'm saying these things and I like kind of know them, I'm still doubting myself. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> and it's just been a difficult process to like be fully myself, but I'm also like, okay, I don't work in a cubicle and I don't have a boss who like needs me to dress the same as everybody else. And I've had those jobs and all that. Like I'm like, I'm an artist and I, to some extent get to do whatever the fuck I want in certain areas of my life. And so why would I conform to somebody else's expectation of me when I have the freedom in the way that my life is set up and the way my life functions to be completely myself. And I am no longer going to entertain thoughts about being too intense or being too loud or talking too much or, you know, just acting like myself. And my friends know those traits about me and clearly it doesn't bother them because they're still around. The ones who couldn't handle it are gone. Um, and I care so deeply about people and I really love being around them and I love getting to know them and I don't like how I feel when I'm socially anxious. Like I really hate it because it doesn't feel like me and it doesn't feel like the core of who I am. So I'm working on that and may we all feel more comfortable taking up space in the world and being our fullest selves, but also, you know, knowing when to tone it down and like let things be about other people. I think there's also a balance there, but Thank you so much for listening. This is Too Much To Say 2.0. Thank you guys for sticking around during the mini-sode era, but we are back and I will see you next week on Too Much To Say. I'm Kaylee Shore. Y'all have a good one.
It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.